The views expressed on this show by guests and the host on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Welcome to 9-11 Freefall. I'm the host, Andy Steele, and today we are going to have three great guests on, and they are part of Project Due Diligence, which you've been seeing a lot of bulletins about. We are really moving up the efforts there, getting engineers out in front of all the professional associations that need to hear the evidence the AE 9-11 Truth brings to the table. So let's just go ahead and introduce them. Uh, the first one that I have here is Seth McVeigh. And Seth is a structural engineer. He has a Bachelor of Science degree from Carroll College and a Master of Science in Structural Engineering from the University of Mexico. Currently, he works as a civil slash uh, bridge engineer. So Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. And he's joined by Zaida Orr. Zaida is a civil engineer. She graduated from UC Berkeley with a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering in 1981. She worked for Pacific Gas and Electric Company and Alameda County Public Works Agency, and she is now retired. Zaida, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Andy, I'm happy to be here. And I apologize for my little um, bug in the throat, but I'm delighted to be here. Oh, that's okay. Um, and uh, this other person, I don't know if we're too familiar with him. Uh, this is uh, Roland Angle. Of course, I'm being facetious. He is the CEO of AE 9-11 Truth. He graduated from the University of California, Berkeley with a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering. Uh, and that's, he became a licensed civil engineer in California. He served in the U.S. Army Special Forces, where he was trained in the use of explosives. His 50 years of engineering experience has included designing and testing of blast-hardened missile launch facilities and designing U.S. Naval explosive containers, harbor terminal facilities, earth foundation systems, and hydraulic systems. In, additions, uh, in addition, he rolled in his own three construction companies and is taught engineering subject the high school student. So he's got a lot of experience that he brings here to AE. Roland, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me on again, Andy. Glad to be here. So we're going to start with our two newcomers here. And a lot of times they go really in depth with people's 9-11 uh, stories and their backgrounds. We'll start with, with Seth. Uh, tell us how you got involved in the 9-11 issue. Uh, it's interesting because um, I'm probably one of the younger members of AE911 uh, Truth. Um, I'm only, I'll be 30 next week. And so when the towers got hit, I was pretty young. I think I, I was in fourth grade. I still remember the day. I remember kind of everybody, you know, making a huge deal out of what was happening. But, you know, being so young, I didn't really fully grasp what was going on until later in life. And um, it wasn't until I got to college, actually, that uh, I became like aware of what, of the all the issues that came out. And studying civil engineering, um, I had some of that background and, and some of the uh, 
training to understand the language that was being put out by NIST and some of these other organizations um, in their reports. And so um, I got it. I found AE 911 Truth. I think it was like an ad on Facebook or, or something like that just way back in the day. I, I'm not exactly, I can't remember exactly, but um, I found you guys uh, somehow. And, um, you know, I signed on right away because at that point I had started to question, you know, uh, the reality of our world and where we were and um, our government, some of the things that they had done in the past. And so um, I knew there was something fishy up with 9-11 and I didn't have all the answers then, you know, I hadn't looked into it super deep at that point, but, you know, I was an engineer and I understood that what was being said was not accurate and it couldn't be correct. It couldn't, it doesn't match up with science. It doesn't, it doesn't match up with what we study in engineering. And so when I started to research and see all these issues, especially with, um, with uh, the Journal of Engineering Mechanics and some of the things that ASCE was putting out and getting behind and, and funding this type of stuff, it just didn't really uh, make any sense. And so um, at that point, I started to get in more involved in, and this is where I think Project Due Diligence really came in for me and why I volunteered for it, because I wanted to be a voice in my community um, of engineers who most of them had never heard this stuff before. So if I could have an opportunity to present information in front of them that would challenge the official narrative, but get them to realize that, hey, something's wrong here. Something isn't lining up with what we know to be true by studying engineering for the past 300 years or whatever, um, you know, further than that, but modern, modern engineering. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to get involved that way. So that's why I, start, I started to do things with uh, project due diligence and, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my story. It wasn't, it's not anything too grand. I wasn't, you know, in New York, but I do have something interesting. So my boss, my former boss, um, she's passed away now, which is actually I have a theory about why she passed away, but uh, she was in New York working as a civil engineer um, uh, when the towers came down. And so she would tell me, you know, give me stories about how some of her friends who were firefighters who went into the towers and that kind of thing. So well, upon hearing some of those stories, it kind of ignited a new passion in me. And that was within the past five years. And um, so I, you know, I, I got reignited by that. And uh, so these little things just keep coming up that just make me, uh, you know, kind of justify the decision and the course that I've taken with my um, affiliation with the organization. So that's that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, you are very you're very young and uh, you're still uh, very passionate about this, and you don't see that a lot. We were talking about that right before we started recording today. So God bless you for stepping forward. Uh, Zaida, same question. Tell us how yeah. you got involved in the 9-11 issue. Well, first of all, first of all, I have to say I am impressed, impressed with Seth for his commitment because you're the same age as my child uh, who's 30 years old and I was dropping her off on my way to work. And when I heard of 9-11 and it's impressive when somebody so young can can actually understand the severity of this issue. So that's when I heard it on my way to dropping my third, my who, who's now 30 years old. And um, I must say that um, I bought into the whole narrative that was being given by the mainstream media. And I didn't even think twice about it. And then as my kids started getting older, I had more and more time. And I realized I started playing around on YouTube back in the days where it wasn't censored. And I, I came across Building 7. And I, I was shocked. 
I'd never seen Building Seven. I I thought I had seen all the all the. Um, remember the first week? It was video after video, and I don't recall building. I didn't recall Building Seven. So I immediately ran to the kitchen and told the family members that were there, my children and my husband. And the first thing they said was, you're lying. That was the first thing. And I, I questioned myself and I said, did I just see what I just saw, you know? And I uh, proceeded to get more and more information. And I kept diving deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. And the more I dove, the more concerned and the more I wanted to know. However, the more I alienated my family because my family thought I was going down some rabbit hole that was a conspiracy theory thing. And I tried to explain to them, hey, watch this video with me. Hey, sit down with me. I'll let me tell you what, I, what I've found, but they weren't ready to hear it. And I think that's the other thing where I'm so impressed with Seth you were ready to hear it at a very young age. Some people my age are not ready to hear it. And they want to continue to believe that narrative because it makes them safe. And in fact, uh, one of the things I'd like to point out before I forget uh, in this wonderful process is another another movie that or documentary that I saw and I'm hoping that your listeners have already seen it. And if they haven't, that they um, make an effort to go see it is that 9-11 explosive evidence experts speak out because that one what was the revelation of all times basically all these experts speaking out in in their profession and coming in unison to let us know that this couldn't couldn't be the way that the um, official story had been presented to us and that was so instrumental. In fact, the most, I, I thought that the most instrumental thing of that documentary was the very end of that documentary where they talk about the psychology and why people have a hard time accepting it because I was seeing every one of those, every one of those points made by the, the, the psychiatrist in my own family. And I have, I have a family of many civil engineers and I saw one where it was holding on to the government can't do this. It cannot, it cannot betray me. Another one was reaching out for my foundation will be destabilized. I, I can't go there. I can't go there because even if it's true, I'm not gonna know what to do. Even though they weren't verbalizing that, that's what they were emanating. And there were others who ridiculed me because as you know, that's another mechanism of okay, I, I must be right. I have to, you know, ridicule her or make fun of her so that I'm okay. So it was very instrumental for me to see that documentary because then once I saw that very end of that documentary, I could understand my family. And I could, I didn't have, I because if I, I didn't understand my family, it could have sent me into a spin of getting upset with them having arguments with them, not having that beautiful relationship that I value so much. So it made me understand that we have to go in, you know, in a certain, I don't want to say order, but we have to meet people where they're at. And that's why um, when Roland called me, and I think it was when you were beginning the uh, project due diligence uh, program where you were launching it in, was it 2018? I believe it was 2018, yeah. And I get you, and I got your call 
it was it was like the sweetest call I had ever received because I was yearning, yearning to do something about all this information that I had. And yet my family was not ready. My friends were not ready. And here's this call. And I'm like, yes, I will participate in this program. And I have not regretted it. And I continue to be excited about it. I continue to, to just be interested in getting more people to come on board. And uh, actually, thanks to Roland, and maybe you, I, you might want to discuss this at a later point, but if you, I'd like to point it out now that thanks to Roland, we decided to expand and try to reach out the Spanish-speaking countries. And so that's what I'm actually working on now is the translation of the, um, I guess, the University of Alaska Fairbanks study, um, which was, as most of your listeners know, um, led by uh, Professor Halsey and his team. And it's a rigorous uh, study with um, ama amazing conclusions, which basically uh, contradict the the official narrative. And, and um, so I'm in that uh, process of transferring all that information into Spanish and reaching out to the Spanish speaking world. And um, I guess that's where I'm going to end it for now. Well, that is great to hear. I'm not that far from the Mexican border where I'm located right now, so it's, it's actually very easy to to accidentally uh, drive into it. Uh, I've been told, and it's happened to me. But um, so maybe I, I can do some outreach at some point when that's available. But there are so many great ideas that come through AE911 Truth from our great volunteer professionals uh, who are at Project Due Diligence. This is really a tremendous effort that Roland has been putting together for a number of years, and we 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 haven't given it justice here in terms of talking about it because it really is a lot of work, and it's had a lot of great successes. Uh, newcomers, Roland. People watching for the first time, just let them know what Project Due Diligence does uh, and what does it seek to accomplish? What are its goals? Project Due Diligence uh, came about because of our realization that the engineering community was actually sold out uh, on 9-11. And the explanation that was given to the public for why those three buildings came down was not accurate and didn't reflect our knowledge and experience. However, because it was a political event uh, and the investigation was given over to the executive arm of the government, the National Institute of Standards and Technology is an arm of the Commerce Department and the federal government was an actor in the events of the day. That is, they were supposed to protect us from attacks of this sort, and they failed to do so. So to allow one of the actors in the crime to investigate the crime is a non sequitur and never should have happened. Uh, an example is, for instance, the uh, National Transportation Safety Board, which investigates airplane uh, crashes and accidents. It was originally under the FAA, <clears throat> but it was discovered after uh, actually a very famous plane crash in which Newt Rockne, the 
uh, coach of the Notre Dame football team was killed in a crash in Kansas in 1931, that uh, the FAA was an actor because they were supposed to regulate the safety of airlines. And there were problems when it came to investigating what happened, the cause of that crash. So over time, the National Transportation Safety Board was formed as a independent organization, not under the executive branch of the government in the attempt to get uh, a, an objective uh, report on what the cause of the accidents were. And as of this date, the National Institute of Standards and Technology is still uh, the investigating body in, in matters of this sort. And they, sh they it, should not, it should not be set up that way. It's a conflict of interest. So NIST had longstanding ties with uh, the civil engineering professions because uh, many of the things that they're investigating involved engineering, of course. So the American Society of Civil Engineers and the Structural Engineering Association of New York were called in immediately upon the uh, event on 9-11. And they were used to uh, recruit people that were going to carry out the investigation. Many, if not most of these people had longstanding ties with uh, NIST and other branches of the federal government. And so that was a conflict of interest. So uh, these conflicts resulted in decisions being made during the investigations of the towers and World Trade Center 7 that uh, led the investigations uh, away from the scientific evidence of where those uh, investigations should have gone. Uh, so once we began to understand the nature of the problem, we realized that we had a problem within our profession, the engineering profession, because we had failed the uh, public in uh, our representation, uh, our explanation for what happened to those buildings that day. Those reports uh, are not accurate. So our, uh, we, we uh, attempted to uh, influence the leadership of the, these organizations, the ASCE and the SEA. However, it's clear that they're locked into that position that they've taken uh, supporting the official NIST investigations and uh, nothing short of uh, a very forceful and dynamic popular movement is going to uh, dissuade them from that position. So we began the arduous process really of taking our message and our information out to the rank and file of the uh, engineering profession across the country. And so we uh, put together uh, a, a presentation, presentations, uh, one on the Twin Towers and one on Building 7. We gathered all of our evidence from the uh, research that our volunteers had done and also from the uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks study. We put those into presentations uh, that are aimed at explaining the problems with the official reports 
to uh, our rank and file engineers. And we've been taking that out on the road for uh, the last three, four years now. Uh, the COVID uh, situation put a real dent in our efforts because so many organizations just stopped having meetings or began to transition to have virtual meetings. Uh, all that has taken some uh, steam out of our effort, but we've reorganized it and uh, we're going forth. We've already made more than three dozen presentations to about a thousand engineers across the country in every part of the country. And what we found is that after hearing the evidence that we present, we have not found one single engineer that disagrees with us that a new impartial investigation is necessary to clear up the problems with the NIST reports. And so that is our effort. And we, we understand that as long as the government NIST can point to the ASCE and the Structural Engineers Association and say that they are in agreement with the NIST presentations, then NIST has uh, professional backup for their position. And uh, the only way we're gonna break through that is to create enough of a movement within our profession to confront our uh, leadership, our national leadership, and uh, present them with the evidence that is irrefutable and force them to call for a new investigation. And I say force, I use that term advisedly, but uh, the past four years have taught us that uh, uh, the leadership of our professional organizations, unfortunately, is deeply entrenched in supporting the uh, government position. And that is a real problem for our profession and we need to address it. And that's what we're attempting to do with Project Due Diligence. That's right. It's amazing how political things are at the very top of many different organizations. I used to see that with AIA when we were focusing on architects, and I have no doubt it's the same at other organizations in the engineering profession. And so what do you do about that? Well, you do what many successful movements have done, what the 9-11 Truth Movement itself has done over the years in different areas and in different fields, such as like with the media, um, is that we go out to the people that they need the most. That is the constituents of these organizations, the members. And there's nothing to stop me from calling an engineer at work and saying, hey, you want to give your chapter uh, a presentation? Let one of our engineers give this information to your people. Tell us what you think of it. And so that's what we have is we have uh, people that are making these calls and uh, you know, doing that necessary work. You can accomplish anything as long as you're willing to do the work that's involved in it. You know, you don't have to be an expert in any particular field. You just gotta be willing to learn and show up. That's where success always comes from. And, and that's what Roland has managed to do with this. And it's just only getting bigger, like a snowball going down a hill. Uh, and you guys have watched it very closely over the years because this is kind of your main focus. So we'll start with Seth and then Zyda. Talk about the growth of Project Due Diligence that you personally have witnessed and the potential that you think it has going forward. Yeah, I, uh, I've i seen huge growth so far just in the few years that it's it's been in development. Um, it started off, you know, with Roland um, being the lead and just, uh, you know, seeing if there were any engineers, first of all, that would want to make presentations to these different um, organizations that were, um, you know, th that are engineering based. Um, and so, you know, we 
um, us engineers, we we uh, received some the presentation from Roland, and let me just tell you that presentation is amazing. If you guys, the listeners, haven't had a chance to look at that presentation, I believe it's on the AE911 website that you guys can go check out. And if you're in that type of scientific information, the presentation is amazing. It's laid out in layman's terms, easy to understand, and um, upon watching that, uh, you know, I gained a whole bunch of knowledge that I I hadn't previously heard before because who wants to read a thousand page NIST report and find all the details in it that are wrong. So, um, you know, the, the people that went through that and, and found those things and they put together the presentation for us uh, to present to these uh, organizations across the country um, has, has just been developing greatly. We've had pretty good success reaching out. Um, I'm actually part of a team that's doing research right now into a bunch of these different organizations on where they have conferences, whether they have virtual monthly meetings. You know, as an ASCE member myself, um, our ASCE uh, has, uh, it's divided into regions and we have uh, yearly conferences, which, you know, we're we're hoping to get into. And so, um, you know, it's been growing. Uh, I think the, re like Roland mentioned earlier, the reception by engineers has been great because once you look at this information, you're like, you can't unsee it. It's like one of those pictures that you put up, you know, where it's like someone says it's something else and then that's all you see from now on. And so whenever you start, whenever you watch that presentation or engineers hear it, like, they want to get involved too. So I think uh, Project Due Diligence is also growing because of the outreach of, of this part of AE911. And so um, I'm excited for the future. I think it's only going to get bigger. I think uh, not just in this area, but on many fronts, there's been exposure of government corruption. And so I think as that continues to be questioned in the future as well, our success within these organizations is also going to grow and um, I'm excited to be a part of it. So uh, I expect big things from Project Due Diligence in the future. I, I think we're gonna be able to reach the top of some of these organizations with some of the contacts that we have. And so um, especially ASCE, getting ASCE straightened out and out of politics, I guess would be our goal because as engineers, we should we should be focused on the science. We shouldn't be focused on the political aspect of it. And so, um, I think if ASCE looks at the at the science of of the uh, event, uh, you, they would come to the same conclusions as us. And so that's that's the whole goal, uh, not just with them, but with you know structural engineering association and everything. So um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Zaida, how have you seen it grown, and what's the potential you see from this effort? Yes, yes, yes. It's absolutely growing. And I love being a part of this because I have seen just in my own family, the questions now that are coming up, it's almost like my family of engineers is a reflection of the, of the engineers out there. They're now no longer seeing me as cuckoo. Now they're asking questions. They know that my work is serious. They know that I'm reaching out not to just um, um, members here across the country, but members outside outside in foreign countries. They're very curious that I'm talking to people from, from Norway, from England, from South America. They see that this is taking off beyond what, what I even imagined. And as I'm on that subject of reaching out to um, um, our foreign um, members, I want to give a shout out to, let me say the name correctly, 
Heriberto Moreira Cornejo. And um, I have been keeping Roland um, updated with my connection with Heriberto Cornejo, who is one of our newest members from Ecuador. And I'm delighted to, well, we're, we're all delighted to have him come on board. And I wanna let you know that this is one of the reasons why I see PDD and our message growing and moving forward. So I, um, I connected with him. He only speaks Spanish. So I, my Spanish had to come on, on board. I hadn't spoken Spanish in a while, but it's, that's another fun aspect of this, of this project. So uh, as I connected with Heriberto, I find out that he had been a, a firefighter for 27 years. He then went to fire in, uh, classes in, uh, I believe he took a degree, got a degree in fire engineering. Then he, he is now an investigator and, a, and an instructor in fires and explosions throughout Latin America. And I was pleasantly surprised that he already had a video up in Spanish because he came to the same conclusions on his own, independent of our work and just from his fire expertise. And he concluded the same thing. And he adamantly says in his, in his YouTube in Spanish, this cannot, these three uh, steel frame buildings could not have fallen due to fire. And he is, you know, he goes through his whole um, presentation and he does use tapping, he taps into some of the information that AE 9-11 Truth, he has, somehow he found that. And um, anyway, um, I was uh, very excited to have him come on board and so is everybody else because now he is going to be kind of our arm and in reaching out to Latin America. And as soon as this uh, Spanish uh, translation of the World Trade Center report is complete, we have dreams of getting that out there, not only to the engineering community throughout Latin America, but also the Spanish speaking countries all over the world and the public as well. Because I think whenever you reach out to engineers, you're reaching out also to those family members, those friends who may not have the engineering degree, but they're hearing what's going on. So that's why I wanted to bring up his name because that, that is part of the growth of uh, Project Due Diligence that we are now taking it on to other countries. And um, there's a lot of excitement there. And I did, want, I did also want to say that I agree 100% with, with what Seth, Seth had to say about the consciousness now of the, of the people I'm around seems to have changed in the last few years, especially after COVID, because many people I spoke with started realizing and sharing with me how much information was censored during this time. And I, it opened the door for me to say, I, I understand because in the 9-11 truth movement, that is what we have been experiencing for years. So what you're experiencing now is exactly what we were being called conspiracy theories just for asking questions, just because our professional doctors in, in virology, in immunology, all these experts, some with Nobel Peace Prizes were being considered conspiracy theorists because they were asking questions about the narrative. So I said, that is what we've been experiencing in 9-11. We have professionals all over the world asking 
why are we not in dialogue with these agencies that came out with these uh, with this re these official reports that are flawed? They they have so much that needs um, to be questioned, that needs to be corrected, and yet they were censored. And um, and so I was able to make the connection. And so now they're open more to the 9-11 um, uh, issues that we're going through. And so they are more sympathetic and they are really paying more attention to what we're bringing forth to the, not only to the engineering community, but to the public as well. So that's, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's a very exciting effort. And I've been doing this a long time and I can tell you that the best chance that we have has come up now because of this effort and everything that is going on. And again, I've, I've seen it all, you know, I wasn't here at the very beginning, but uh, pretty close <laughs> you know, within a few years. And, uh, you know, I've seen us have booths at conventions, you know, with the AIA and the architectural side. I've seen us try to um, reach out to different chapters. But what I'm finding now is that as we reach out to the rank and file of the engineering community, most people find it uh, interesting enough to uh, say, yeah, we'll give you an audience. Because what they're looking at is really just two conflicting studies. At the onset, you know, you have the Holsey study and you have NIST's official report. Why do we have contradicting conclusions from both of these? And then from that, uh, they get the truth. They get the the information that they need to get from all of this. And so it's not just outreach in the sense that, you know, like when uh, you send out somebody into the street with some brochures and they hand them out or anything like that. We are sending very well-trained professionals to engineering society chapter meetings all over the country, but not all over just this country, all over other countries as well. We're gonna be sending them there. They're gonna be bringing the World Trade Center 7 evidence. It's like taking Roland and, and cloning him, putting him in different forms and yeah. manifestations and sending him to uh, be able to give this presentation over and over again. This is a stepping up of our presenters team efforts. This is the new uh, incarnation of it. And this has been mm -hmm. the most successful incarnation of it as well. So that's why we all have to get behind it. And I wanted to ask this Roland because like I said, I mean, it's not like I'm some old man on the mountain here, but I mean, you know, AE in the past, and from what I've seen, uh, wasn't as successful in reaching the architectural community, but PDB has been so successful with reaching the engineers so far. Why is it that structural engineers, when presented with this evidence, generally either agree or refuse to disagree, just from your own experience as an engineer? I think it's it's really important to look at the development of AE 911 Truth as an organization it, it, because it follows very much on to the relationships within the building community that go on on a day to day basis. AE 911 Truth was started by an architect, Richard mm -hmm. Cage, and architects typically in the building community are the ones that come up with the projects. People come to them with a problem, with a project, something they want to solve, and the, and the architects are the ones that have the big picture. And Richard got the big picture. He, he understood that there was something wrong with this story about how these buildings came down. And he had the courage and the initiative to challenge it. And he began the organization. Okay, 
years went by. Being an architect, he went to the architectural uh, professional organization, the American Institute of Architects, uh, which he was a member of. And he, he brought his information to the architects and he tried to convince them to take a position calling for a new investigation. Well, if we go back and look at the way that architects and engineers work together, we could see in hindsight that that was not going to work. The reason being that what happened on 9-11 was not an architectural failure. It was an engineering failure. There wasn't something wrong with the architecture of the buildings, according to the official reports. There was something wrong with the structural aspects of the buildings. Somehow they came down when they were not supposed to come down. The question was why? Well, that's an engineering question, okay? So just like in the real world that we know, when the architects get the project together, they go to the engineers. What's the role of the engineers? Well, the engineers are the ones that solve the very specific problems that are associated with making that project come into life. You have to make sure that every single aspect of it is going to work. It's got to be, it's got to be safe. It's got to be, uh, it's got to fulfill its function, and it's got to do so in the most efficient uh, and uh, scientific way possible. And that's what the engineers do. So it makes sense that at this point in the development of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, the focus has shifted to the engineering world. The architects did not want to take a position that they were going to call for a new investigation because from their perspective, this was not their problem. It was the engineer's problem. And the engineers were going to have to take the lead. So when Richard came to me uh, about four or five years ago and said he would like to bring me on the board because the engineers had not been adequately represented on the board up until that time, I was in complete agreement with him from what I knew. And I said, if I come on, I'm going to focus on the engineering community because I believe that the engineering community is the one that has to step out at this point, take a position that the reports that were produced by the government do not meet our engineering uh, professional standards. And that's where we have to start. And if we win the engineers over, the architects will follow. They're not going to disagree with the engineers. If the engineers say that the reports don't stand up, the architects will follow. But for the architects to step out in front of the engineers and say, we don't think that this meets uh, uh, our professional standards, that's not going to work. That's putting the cart before the horse. So that's, that's why we are where we are today. And it's taken us all this time because we're a small nonprofit. We have, we rely primarily on volunteers. Uh, and it's very difficult to make headway against this mountain of information that's been compiled by the government. NIST reputedly spent $16 million on their report and they produced a report on the towers, which is 10,000 pages long. And on the uh, World Trade Center 7, it's a thousand pages long. It is not realistic to expect that people that are out there working in the engineering field are going to peruse that 11,000 page uh, uh, 
pile of information and sift through it and come up with what the problems are, the needles in the haystacks, the dozen or so decisions that were made in the compilation of those reports that where those reports went wrong. So we had to do that with volunteers. And I can't give enough credit to our volunteers. There are many, many I won't even begin to try to name them all, but there are hundreds of thousands of people that have contributed some little part of our information that we put together and compiled it and we could sift through all the, the fluff and the, and the chafe, the chaff as they say, and get down to the kernels of the truth. And that is why we are where we are today. Yes, it's taken us 15 years, but given what we're up against, the forces that we're up against, the information that we had to call and get out of the government, which by the way, some of it they still will not release because they say what we're doing might endanger public safety. Uh, uh, so, you know, we, we, we have this huge task in front of us and there's nothing glamorous about it, believe me. It is plodding one foot in front of the other every day, uh, trying to meet engineers, trying to get in front of them, trying to collect this information, trying to make it understandable, trying to make it uh, cohesive and efficiently uh, uh, presented. And all this is a, is a gigantic effort that is, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of hours have gone into it. I am just the, 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 the end result of that. The, 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 all this stuff has come to me and I'm trying to develop that information in such a way so that we can spread it out amongst the engineers. And you know, at this point, project due diligence, I think we have about 40 engineers across the country and, and some other countries of the world that are helping us get this information out. And it's a long, slow process. But like my father said, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth even puts on its shoes. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what we have here. You know, the, the, the false narrative that was seized upon by the criminals that carried this out and their witting and unwitting accomplices that day they had the power to spread that out around the world instantaneously with the modern uh, communication systems that we have. We, on the other hand, had to wait for the reports to come out, see what the explanations were, sift through the evidence, find out what was wrong with that evidence and present it in such a way, and then try to get that word out with our limited means to the engineering profession. So that's what Project Due Diligence is really all about. It's it's a, a monumental task. It has huge ramifications for the world in general, because if we can turn the engineering profession around and get the professional organizations that represent us to admit that the official reports are flawed and need to be revisited, that will be a major uh, uh, elimination of a roadblock that uh, it would be like taking the keystone out of an arch. The whole thing would fall down. That's what we're. That's what our task is. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. And it, I mean, project due diligence. That's what it's called, and it is a project more than any other kind of outreach uh, than we've had before. Because it's not just the great people you see on your screen out there giving the presentations, the well-trained people who can talk about this with some authority to the engineers. That if they wake them up and they join our ranks, it's like a snowball. It's gonna be coming right for NIST to roll it over. 
And um, but it's not just them. That's the point I'm trying to make here. We got great people on the phones uh, reaching out to the chapters, and they're well trained, so they're not calling them proselytizing about 9/11 or anything like that. Their only goal is to get the great people that you're seeing on the screen in front of you right now in front of an audience and they're very good at what they do i mean their success rate if they can actually get somebody on the phone is uh usually pretty high <clears throat> so that is what it is and of course you know we're, we're raising money right now for this effort if, uh, if you can donate we ask you to do that you can see those bulletins a lot of great uh people behind the scenes getting this information finding the chapter heads and getting all of their information too. That's a, that's an effort in itself. So yeah, this is a real project. You know, you hear things like the Manhattan project or whatever destructive things referenced in history. Well, this is something that's not destructive. It's going to bring great things to this country when we succeed. I don't say if we succeed, I say when we succeed. And it's going to be because of the people out there watching this show right now and all the help that they can give either through their own volunteer efforts or financially. Uh, I'm going to jump back to Seth and Zyda right now. I'm not going to ask you to go over the entire World Trade Center evidence right at this moment, but you guys are engineers. You obviously had something that convinced you and made you sign the petition here at 18911 Truth. What do you find to be the most convincing evidence and what do you uh, talk about most when discussing it with engineers uh, and, and getting them to look at this information closer? Start with Seth. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, or I, actually I don't know if I mentioned this, but <laughs> part of my st into, like personal story was, you know, I'm, I'm still young and so when the event actually happened, I was, I was young and, and, you know, really didn't understand what was going on, but, you know, I've, I've grown and I've learned a lot since then. And, and so um, the thing that really settled, like put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, was um, particularly World Trade Center 7. First of all, uh, just watching a video of the building collapse, that, that caused me to question. I mean, that looks like a, a demolition collapse. Like if you look up any other video of a demolition collapse of a building, that's what it looks like. So uh, that first sent me in. But once I got digging more into some of the issues that were found with what NIST did, particularly um, at, at how they modeled the column where they said global failure initiated was that they assumed um, to uh, take out some uh, side plates on a column and not include uh, stiffeners at the end of a girder. And um, I do bridge inspection. Um, I also do prefabrication inspection on, on concrete and steel and all this type of stuff. And so for, you know, I also do bridge load ratings. And so what I do um, in my bridge load rating stuff is I go look at plans and I build a model that's based off those plans. If I miss an element or if I miss a stiffener, the strength of the member changes uh, pretty significantly sometimes. And so when you when you read through this as an engineer and you're like, wait, they didn't include stiffeners at the end of the girder, even though they're shown on the shop drawings, even though there's pictures that they were there, uh, that the inspectors took, that like, all this type of stuff. And then they also um, included some, um, uh, I think diaphragms at the outside of the exterior beam to stiffen up that beam. Uh, you start to understand that they left this out intentionally to 
build a narrative and it only solidifies the things that we're questioning here at 8911 when you see these types of things. I mean, you can't look at a shop drawing and not include something in a model that's clearly there for a specific reason, one that would defy the official collapse theory. And so you start looking into this type of stuff um, and and so that really got me questioning and and um, and so I would say that was probably probably the thing that put the nail on the coffin was seeing the the shot drawing stuff missing from um, from their report. Yeah, listening to you speak, it sounds like those elements are so important. But if you listen to Nest, the way they behave when you bring this up, you can almost imagine imagine them eating a fast food cheeseburger. Don't worry about it. No, that's all right. Dude, it doesn't, it doesn't make any oh, so sense. Like, what? And then you listen to the head of NIST like, talk about these kinds of things and the answers that they give are like, if you were to, in any other engineering like uh, company or anything, you'd be fired. Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, you would just literally be fired because if I was to design a bridge and uh, not put diaphragms or not put stiffeners in the steel members and it was to collapse, who's to blame? The professional engineer who designed the thing and all of these things were there and to for a purpose and they just left them out sorry it gets me fired up because <laughs> i just it, i i'm so i'm so over the lies that have been perpetuated about this thing for so long that i just want the truth to come out and so um yeah this stuff gets me fired up uh, but that i would say that's what what uh, did it for me yeah, well, that's why we harp on it, because it's so important. It's very important, and it affects what the outcome is. But NIST acts like it's not a big deal because it's in their interests to act like it's not, and they just think that the public is going to be ignorant and unaware and uh, just kind of move forward. And, and it would be if it were not for people like this organization, our organization here. Is I had a same question for you. What's the most convincing evidence, and what do you talk about most when reaching out uh, to other engineers? I have to, I have to agree with Seth. <clears throat> building seven, ever since I saw it come down, I said, oh my gosh, controlled demolition. And like, like, um, like Seth said, we have, we have videos upon videos of all those buildings in Vegas that have been demolished. And you see the exact same thing. You see the building falling into its footprint, the building falling basically symmetrically. And once I found out that there was free fall involved, 2.25 seconds, I believe, of free fall, that just nailed it. I said, you, this is free fall. You can't design a building to, to fall like this. There's columns, there's steel, there's, I mean, we have structural elements. How can a building be designed to fall as if there's nothing underneath it? That was, I'm serious. I nearly went crazy when I heard there was free fall involved. And I went telling everybody like this was news revelation, right? And people were looking at me like, why is free fall so important? And I kept telling them that, hey, even if NIST claims that there was some column 79, because that's where they focus all their, their attention, a column still has resistance when it's buckling, and that's what they're claiming due to the thermal expansion and blah, 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 that this fell, this fell. There's still resistance upon with, with columns that are deforming, if that's what they're claiming. Resistance means 
that there is no free fall. So they can they contradict themselves by by even their own conclusions. And it's amazing to me that they can dismiss it and say, oh, well, we don't have a handle on that. Free fall, oh, we don't have a handle on that. We do. Can you come over and talk to us? <laughs> we can enter into dialogue. We'll explain it to you. And Professor Halsey's report clearly indicates how by removing, you know, the core columns, and I understand there's 24 core columns and then something like 58 perimeter columns soon soon after, you get the exact same pattern that you see in the real world, in the real video. And yet this cannot replicate it. They're, they're confused, they, they're dumbfounded. They can't get a handle on it. So it, it, it infuriates me that they cannot sit and have a dialogue with us so that we can show them why their report it is, is ludicrous. I mean, I'm going a little bit too far there, but I'm sorry. It's a faulty report that needs to be corrected. And while I'm on this uh, soapbox, soapbox, I do want to say that to your listeners, for those who are the engineers in, in the listening community, let's remember that we have a professional obligation as well as a an ethical obligation to get to the bottom of this. We now comprehend that there are um, errors in, in the official report. We comprehend that there are um, omissions, omissions of forensic evidence. These reports would not, you would not pass, you would be fired, like Seth said, if you were trying to pr present a report with all these contradictions and errors, faulty analysis. So as engineers, let's remember we have um, not only an ethical and professional responsibility to get to the truth, but the public is entrusting us. They're entrusting us to get it right for them. They don't understand this, but we do. So we that enough, that alone should motivate us all to not be silent, to want to know more. And um, on, on another note too is, I don't want to just focus on just the engineers coming to to the solution for those listeners who are not engineers share the word share the, the the website share these amazing podcasts that Andy has because we can all do a little something even if we're not engineers even if we're not scientists you can donate volunteer your time you can um, you can email us suggestions and ideas on how we can better reach out to the community with our message. So we all have a little a little input into making this a success. So I'm looking forward to to your input and, and let's let's do it together. We're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this as a team. So I'm excited about this and I'm inviting all of you if you haven't already sign the petition. And you like Andy said you don't have to um, volunteer. I mean, you don't have to um, donate if you if you can't. But you can donate time. You can share with others, and uh, pass on the word that there is a website here loaded with documentaries, articles, um, podcasts, information that is critical to to getting to the bottom of this. So, I invite everybody to join us on this effort. 
There you go. And I mean, we have such a wealth of information here at e 911 Truth. I mean, this show alone, I've been doing it for about 10 years now. So I've probably covered just about everything related to the controlled demolitions of these towers. You can look it up, maybe less polished in the beginning, but uh, it's there. And AE 911 Truth, all the technical articles, all of the videos that have been made over the years, it's all right here. And as Zyda says, you can volunteer and you can actually pick up some skills too. It's sort of like the army. You pick up uh, some skills that you can use in other aspects of your life or at work. Uh, we'll teach you um, because uh, we need you to know them to do some of the work here. So that's one thing to consider when uh, you consider donating your time. And you talk about all the physics problems with the official story. People, when they're talking about other aspects of 9-11, they'll say things like, where was the Air Force? You know, did they stand down, whatever? I say, where was our physics? Did physics stand down? Who ordered the stand down of physics on that day? Of course, that's impossible because the official story is impossible. And that's what we're proving, and we've already proven it. Roland, we only got a few minutes here, but uh, it's a very important effort. We're very optimistic about this. I am, I mean, the, the board is, the executives here at AE are, are very positive and optimistic about your efforts. Uh, explain, and of course you are, because you're the one leading it here, but explain in our last few minutes how our audience can help and why you are so optimistic about this outreach, this project moving forward. I know that the truth is gonna come out. The truth, this is a matter of studying some evidence, applying scientific principles and uh, thousands of years, literally, of engineering experience to analyzing that evidence. And I am 100% convinced and certain that the evidence that we have uncovered and our analysis of that evidence is correct. I'm not saying that there's, that it's, covers everything absolutely, but it covers all the essentials. All the essential ingredients are there. We know that what we have to say about the collapse of those three buildings is accurate and explains what happened. The University of Alaska Fairbanks study that we paid for is the first and only peer-reviewed article of the NIST report on Building 7. There have been no other peer-reviewed uh, articles on that collapse. And so we invite others to look at the report, look at the peer review, and come to your conclusions. They come to two opposite conclusions about what happened. We would invite others to conduct their own peer review of the NIST reports and see if they can make the peer, the, the NIST report uh, add up and make sense. We, we are absolutely 100% confident that that will not happen. There, if, if anyone else gets it together to do a peer review of the NIST report, and by the way, peer review is the gold standard. <laughs> it's the gold standard in our profession and in all scientific-based uh, professions. Peer review, peer review. That's all they want to talk about, peer review. Well, I would like to point out that everyone's uh, reliance on the NIST report, they're relying on a report that has only been peer-reviewed once. That was by us. And the peer review did not come to the same conclusion that the report did. So there is a problem. That is the process. 
And that problem is not being resolved because NIST refuses to come out and discuss the differences between what we have found and what they have found. So they are denying the scientific process. They are denying the whole process that goes on within the engineering profession to determine uh, the accuracy of the appraisal of any particular event. So we know that we are going to prevail and we know because they won't talk about it. It's that simple. If they had an argument, believe me, believe me, we would hear it. If they had a defense for their analysis, they would be the, they would be trumpeting it from the front pages, but they're not. So that tells us right there that they're not ethical. They're not, this is, they're, we've been, we've been betrayed. This is a betrayal. It's a very serious matter because it's not just an engineering failure. It's an event that changed the history of the world. So we're confident we're going to, we're going to prevail. What we need is the, is the support uh, of literally thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who are willing to give us $5, $10, $20 a month, sign our petition, talk to their friends about it, educate themselves about the, uh, uh, about the facts, the evidence. We're, we've witnessed that now with the pandemic, a lot of people have, become, and myself included, we've become very uh, well acquainted with a lot of aspects of epidemiology and virology and, and, and so on. And, and we've, we've had to educate ourselves because we have depended upon the medical profession to advise us about this. And apparently there's some problem within that profession. And apparently there's some problem within our profession. We're very well acquainted with it. But I urge everyone to, to support us in whatever way you can, your time, your money, your, your uh, passing this information along. This is what it's going to take to change things. And we need your help. We're a small nonprofit. We, we rely on, we don't get any grant money from the government. We don't get any big money from, we don't apply for grants and, and hope that somebody's going to take pity on us. It's a, it's a one-to-one appeal. We go up and we ask people to, to support us. We need that support. We cannot go on without it. So uh, please think about what you can do to help our effort. It's important. Absolutely. And I've talked to the rank and file of these organizations. And while you talk about the leadership, not wanting to debate this, the rank and file is very interested in this. And that is really where the power is. Uh, Seth, Zaida, Roland, thank you so much for what you are doing and getting this information out here, for having this educational background and using it uh, to bring the credibility to the truth. Uh, you shouldn't need it, but it, but we do. We do for people to listen. So thank you for doing that. And of course, thanks for coming on 9-11 Freefall today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for all you're doing. <laughs>